Yesterday, Donald Trump took executive action to provide coronavirus relief directly to the American people. And of course, Democrats are upset about this. You see, for the longest time, Democrats and Republicans have been at a political impasse over certain issues with each other's respective coronavirus bills. If you look at the mainstream media, they'll give you a surface level view saying things like Democrats wanted to give Americans $600 in bonus benefits every week and Republicans wanted to reduce it to $200 because they felt that too much money incentivized people not to work. But that's an overly simplistic view. In reality, there were much more serious things that Donald Trump and the Republicans disagreed with. Notably, Democrats want universal mail-in voting in their coronavirus relief package, which the Republicans and Trump say it makes no sense to include. Not only that, we have seen all of these problems across the country with mail-in voting. Why would they want this unless they want the chaos? Strangely, however, they also wanted to ban voter ID in states that mandate it, and they wanted to get rid of mail-in voter signature verification. What? That seems to me like the craziest thing to include in a coronavirus relief package, let alone to ask for anyway. Don't we want to verify signatures for people who are sending in mail-in ballots? That seems patently absurd. But not only that, why would they include it in the coronavirus relief package? Well, because of this impasse, Trump signed several executive orders that the Democrats are calling absurdly unconstitutional, and it puts them in a really awkward position. Trump is offering up cash and relief to the American people, and they're actually challenging him on this, and it's going to make them look really bad. They're being warned now by Republicans, don't play this game. You're just going to get everybody mad at you. But of course, here we go. Now, I, I speculated there's no way they're going to challenge Trump's executive actions in this way because people need money right now. I mean, people are facing evictions and they need to eat. So the Democrats and many on the left have taken another approach, outright lying about what Donald Trump did. And I am impressed at the brazen attitude, like the, the actions these people are taking is bold and incredible to say the least. Take a look at this from the top post, one of the top posts in the political subreddit, r slash politics on Reddit. They say Trump just admitted on live television he will terminate Social Security and Medicare if reelected in November. Wow. 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 The only way to combat what Trump is doing is to just lie about it. Trump didn't say he was going to terminate Social Security or Medicare. That's insane. Trump's talking about temporary deferment on taxes that he would potentially forgive for now. And yes, there is some concern about how that would impact funding for these programs. But in no way did Trump call for terminating these things. As some conservatives have pointed out, wow, Trump must be over the target for them to be this panicked about what he's doing. Trump is going to offer up some really um, amazing uh, relief packages or benefits to people one thing that really surprised me is that he's zeroing federal student loan interest. So these people have to pay back their student loans. No interest. That's that's kind of crazy. I, I saw that and I was like, wow, that's actually what I've been recommending for quite some time. It's it's a student. It's it's a kind of debt forgiveness in in a limited capacity. Incredible. And there's going to be a for uh, Trump's offering up four hundred dollars in unemployment benefits. 200 more than Republicans had, Republicans had initially uh, offered. So Trump is absolutely compromising where he doesn't need to. 
Well, of course, we're going to see nothing but lies and smears from the left. And here we go. They're claiming he's going to gut Social Security and Medicare, which we, we are nowhere near saying that, nor did Trump actually say that. So let's do this. Let's take a look at what Trump is actually offering up in these executive orders. Talk about whether or not they're actually constitutional or not. And then we got we to gotta be real, man. Look, Democrats, you're not going to be very popular if you try and stop this relief from going through with absurd things like getting rid of voter signature verification. What excuse do they have for that? We're already panicked and worried about the disaster that is mail-in voting. And now they want to take away signature verification? Trump said straight up, they just want to cheat. I can't think of any other reason why they would do this. Well, let's read the news before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. The best thing you can do, subscribe to this channel. If you haven't subscribed already, look just below the video. There's a little button that says subscribe. Give a little tap, a little click, and you'll be subscribed to my channel. And then you will be more likely to receive my videos that I put up on this channel every day at 4 p.m. Also, don't forget, hit that like button, that subscribe, uh, that notification bell. Let's read the news. From NTD, they say, Trump takes executive action to provide reduced enhanced unemployment payment. President Donald Trump took executive action on Saturday to extend the weekly enhanced unemployment payment at a reduced level. He signed a memorandum during a press conference on Saturday afternoon at the negotiations between the White House and the uh, after as the negotiations between the White House and the Democrats collapsed. The new payment will be $400 per week. The federal government will cover 75% of the cost while the states will pay the rest, he said. The president said that some governors might not be happy with the actions, suggesting that he didn't negotiate with all governors before the announcement. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi didn't immediately respond, though I do have a statement from her following this. They go on to say the president also via executive orders or memorandums deferred payroll tax for Americans earning less than $100,000 per year from September 1st, authorized the Department of Housing and Urban Development and the Department of Health and Human Services to offer eviction protections to renters and homeowners and extend the term of relief to student loan borrowers from September 30th to the end of the year. The payment, which was authorized by the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security CARES Act and was $600 per week on top of existing unemployment benefits, expired on July 31st. The White House and Democrats failed to reach a deal on extending the payments. The White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, and, and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin started negotiations with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer on August 1st. Quote, at this point, it's clear Democrats want to play politics with American jobs, Meadows wrote in a Twitter post right before Trump's press conference. Since Democrats won't step up and do their job, Donald Trump will do it for them. There are several areas in which the two sides disagree with each other. The Democrats want a comprehensive stimulus package consisting of $3.4 trillion, while the White House prefers a smaller bill as the first step in addressing the most important issues, including an extension of the enhanced unemployment payments and eviction protections for tenants. Pelosi and Schumer also want $915 billion in aid for state and local governments included in the bill, to which the White House offered $150 billion. Trump said on Saturday, that many requirements from the Democrats are irrelevant to the outbreak, including bailout money for states and local governments, articles to ban voter ID and signature verification and universal mail-in ballots. Meanwhile, the Democrats are blocking measures supporting K-12 school reopening, additional money for the Paycheck Protection Program, additional money for hospitals, testing and vaccines, and direct payments of $3,400 for families of four, he said. 
So the Democrats are opposed to some of the direct stimulus. But I, I got to stop right here, man, and, and ask, why are Democrats trying to shoehorn in this weird bail? Uh, I'm sorry, this weird uh, voter ID ban, signature verification ban. I mean, I understand why they want universal mail-in ballots, but hey, man, getting rid of ver- signature verification? What is this? And I'll tell you what, it's not new. Las Vegas Review Journal says, Democratic lawsuit seeks to eliminate signature verification on mail ballots. They've been trying to do this since May, at least. Well, how are we going to know whether or not someone literally actually voted? Why are the Democrats trying to take away voter security? Sorry, man, you got no answer. You really, really don't. Trump said they're trying to cheat. That's the only thing I can see. So how do you think I felt when I saw this post last night on Reddit? one of the top posts on the entire website. For those that aren't familiar, Reddit is one of the most traffic sites in the world. It is an extremely popular social media site where people share links. And one of them was from a leftist activist website called Common Dreams, where they claim Trump just admitted on live TV, he will terminate Social Security and Medicare if reelected in November. What? (laughs) We are getting into crazy territory, man. I tell you, it's going to get rowdy as we come up to November. So I hope y'all are ready. They're pr- planning this White House siege thing, 50 nights of, you know, uh, uh, protest, nonviolent, they say, you know, good for them in front of the White House. So it- it's coming. And now they're just straight up writing fake articles. Well, we get one up. Uh, we-, we get one up in terms of uh, a better strategy from Huffington Post. They say, Trump using COVID-19 as a cover to gut Social Security and Medicare critics charge. Americans were looking for relief. Instead, the president promised to defund Social Security and Medicare, said a Florida lawmaker. Oh, please. No, he didn't. They're talking about the payroll tax deferment. For now, the taxes will be deferred so employers can choose to give more money to their employees. It's going to be something like seven or eight percent more money. And according to Fox, it may come out to about twelve hundred dollars per worker. Trump payroll tax executive order likely worth one thousand two hundred dollars per worker. Cudlow Trump directed a payroll tax deferral to run from September through the end of December. You will still owe those taxes. OK, so when 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 next year comes around and you file your taxes, you probably won't get as big of a refund. You might not get a refund. You might actually end up owing. The point is to make sure you have the money now instead of giving it to the government. So then you get it back at the end of the year. That makes no sense. Most people get refunds. Instead of waiting for that refund, you will have the cash today to spend. It makes a lot of sense. It's your money. Use it when you need it. If, you, if you're familiar with that, that, that's, uh, uh, that commercial, you see the joke? Anyway, the point is, it may, if Trump gets reelected, he says he will, he will forgive the taxes and he may make the, ta- the payroll tax de- uh, deferment actually uh, permanent. So I guess at that point, it would be a payroll tax cut. Of course, all of these lefties are now coming out saying that he's trying to strip or defund. Hold on a second. First of all, you can argue that it could ultimately lead to this. That's fair. But they've taken it a bit too far. Trump didn't say that. In fact, you could theoretically find other ways to fund these programs outside of these specific taxes, payroll tax. Well, Cory Booker says this is all a stunt. Cutting employment benefits and threatening Social Security and Medicare only deepen the pain people are feeling. Congress must act in a way that meets the scale of this crisis. Trump and Senate Republicans need to stop the games and come to the table now. No, no, no. Hold on. I'll, I'll say this. Cory Booker 
it's at least a bit fair to say he's threatening Social Security and Medicare. Fine, I guess. It's a little circuitous, but you could argue that taking away these payroll taxes, well, we do need that money to fund those programs. Sure. But you want to know who's playing games? I'm sorry, man. It's the Democrats. You you want to remove voter signature verification? Dude, 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 hold on, man. I got a ballot to my house from somebody who did not live here and did not request it. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with it. It's still just sitting on my desk. So you mean to tell me that somebody could take that, fill it out, mail it in, and you wouldn't verify the signature? So so what? I, okay. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sounds like y'all want to cheat. Okay. You put that in there for some reason? I got no idea. And that's what Trump's complaining about. You want to argue about other issues like bailouts for states? Fine. But so long as that's one of the issues, I don't trust you. This is weird. Why take away uh, voter ID from states that already have it as a law? 37 states have voter ID requirements. Why would you get rid of that? Universal mail-in voting at a time when we're seeing 84,000 ballots in New York disqualified, 65,000 ballots nationwide additionally, according to NPR, through no fault of the voter disqualified? I'm sorry, man, y'all are crazy. And now they're trying to make it seem like Trump's coming after your benefits. Nah, spare me. Iona Presley says, don't let the occupant of the White House distract you. He just unilaterally cut Social Security and your unemployment benefits in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, man. I love it. There are lefties right now saying Trump slashes unemployment benefits by $200. No, he didn't. The unemployment benefits expired. He upped them. The Republicans wanted to do 200. I don't like the Republicans either, man. So Trump did the compromise of 400. What do you expect? I guess he could have done 600, but we don't know how. I don't know how much money is is allotted uh, allotted to the you know for the CARES Act. Now, apparently, the funds are already apportioned, and I guess this allows them to extend a little bit longer. Though you'll get a little bit less. It's a compromise. This is all nonsensical. This is all a lie. Let me tell you something. They're trying to act like he's gutting Social Security and Medicare. I hope you're ready for this. From Reuters, eight years ago, Congress extends payroll tax cut, sends to Obama. Congress on Friday, February 16th, 2012, is when the date of this article came out, passed legislation extending a tax cut for 160 million workers through December and continuing long-term jobless benefits, handing President Barack Obama a major victory in this election year. A major victory, you say. A major victory, you say. February 16th, 2012. And of course, Nancy Pelosi had to chime in in defending the payroll tax cut, which was not offset by spending cuts or a tax increase on millionaires as Democrats sought. House Democrats leader Nancy Pelosi turned to a conventional Republican argument that tax cuts end up paying for themselves by helping boost economic growth. The payroll tax cut, Pelosi said, stimulates the economy by injecting demand and creating more jobs. Well, why isn't that argument being put forward now by all these other Democrats? Why are they jumping the gun and saying Donald Trump is stripping away our benefits because they just wanted to get in their wacky voter nonsense? Trump, you know what? Maybe it was unconstitutional. Maybe it was. Nancy Pelosi says Trump's coronavirus relief executive actions absurdly unconstitutional. All the Republicans have hit back saying DACA would like to have a word with you. Donald, uh, if Barack Obama, they say, can enforce, can tell law enforcement agencies not to enforce the law, well, then certainly Donald Trump can. He can't tell you you can't pay, you, you don't have to pay the taxes, but he can defer them. So Nancy Pelosi says it's unconstitutional. Oh, Mnuchin says it's not true. Mnuchin warns Democrats against challenging Trump's executive orders. Trump on Saturday signed these orders, blah, 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 we know. 
Now, I'll tell you what. I don't know who's right or who's wrong. I will tell you this. The American people need relief. I am particularly impressed with zeroing federal, uh, zeroing the student, zeroing the student loan interest rates at the federal level, something that in the past I've praised and I think is the right action. Right now, the Democrats are not going to get their weird voter stuff. And because of this, the compromise has been pushed forward. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what, though. If the Democrats try to stop this, whoever tries to sue the president to stop these executive actions, you're going to be pretty unpopular as we're getting dangerously close to people being evicted. Many people are already being evicted and they need protections and they need cash now. Fox reports, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin warned Democrats on Sunday that any legal challenge to President Trump's recent executive orders would delay financial assistance to millions of Americans as he defended the move to drop federal unemployment benefits from 600 a week to 400. Quote, we've cleared with the Office of Legal Counsel all these actions, Mnuchin said on Fox News Sunday. If the Democrats want to challenge us in court and hold up unemployment benefits to those hardworking Americans that are out of a job because of COVID, they're going to have a lot of explaining to do. Woo-hoo-hoo. Trump has got the Republicans between a rock and a hard place. I'm sorry, Trump has got the Democrats between a rock and a hard place, not the Republicans. It's Sunday, spare me, Get, or forgive me. It's a lazy Sunday. Well, the Democrats have a choice to make. Are they going to uh, fight this and hold the benefits or just accept the compromise? They say the president's order calls for 400 instead of 600. We know this. The previous unemployment benefit, which expired on August 1st, was fully funded by Washington. But Trump is asking states to now cover 25%. He is seeking to set aside $44 billion in previously approved disaster aid to help states, but said it would be up to states to determine how much, if any of it, to fund. So the benefits could be smaller still. When questioned why the administration lowered the federal unemployment benefits, Mnuchin said it was a fair compromise and that the White House had offered to continue paying the $600 a week while they negotiated with Democrats. Fox News Sunday host Chris Wallace countered by saying the administration had offered to extend the $600 benefits by one week. Right. So they could, you know, negotiate. Well, there's a bit more going on, I suppose. In all of this, Trump's polls are improving. I got to say, man, I think the Democrats are really losing steam for a lot of reasons. Trump narrows gap with Biden as campaign chief credits coronavirus briefings. Trump trailing Biden by just over six points in RCP national average. Yeah, maybe the American people are tired of the bickering. I mean, look, Congress's approval rating is really bad. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. Trump's approval rating is higher for Trump to step in cut through the BS and say, I'm getting you your benefits extended to the end of the year. I'm signing it. You want to fight about it? Go ahead. Take the benefits away. Maybe it's unconstitutional. Both sides are arguing this. But I think there's reason to suggest that Trump's, you know, his his polls are going to start improving. And it has a lot to do with someone finally just getting stuff done. Listen, I don't like the idea of the president unilaterally passing law like DACA or, you know, whatever Trump is doing. But right now we're in an emergency. And typically when there's an emergency, people kind of chill out a little bit. We do have to be very, very careful about what Trump is doing. 100%. Rest assured, if you come back and say, well, Obama did DACA, so we're just going to do coronavirus relief. You play in a dangerous game of giving the executive branch too much authority. And I'll tell you what will happen. In the next administration, you're going to get some wacky lunatic who's going to say, hey, Trump did it. Obama did it. You can't claim I can't do it. Then they'll say, well, past president did say he could do it. I I don't like any of that. But I'll tell you this, man, I, I would personally, you know, 
it's easy for me to say, mind you, but I, I don't like what Democrats are trying to push through with this weird voter stuff. I, I think it's dangerous, really, really dangerous. I don't want to see any of these, these, these creepy political games. Getting rid of signature verification, that's insane. So you know what? If Trump is going to pass, you know, this, if he's going to push this through with executive action, it needs to be done. It really does. There are people losing their homes every day. There are people who have lost their jobs. They can't eat and they need the support. And we cannot have the system collapse. There are a lot of problems that came along with the coronavirus relief package. And of course, I've complained about it. But I did say this before. If we just sit back and wait, people are going to suffer. People are going to go nuts. So we'll do what we can with the problems that are being generated. Short term, uh, man, short term band-aids on a, on a bullet wound, I suppose. But I don't, I don't know what else to do. I'm not going to pretend like I have all the answers. I see the Republicans and Trump trying to compromise and the Democrats want things unrelated to COVID. So you know where my bias is going to be. I'm going to see Trump's approval rating go up. Check this out. Fox News says President Trump has been narrowing the gap in recent weeks with Democratic challenger Joe Biden, both in national polling and in some key battlegrounds. A development his new campaign manager is crediting in part to his relaunched coronavirus briefings. There's a reason why I'm bringing this up amid the you know, executive action talk. Trump is taking action on COVID and the American people like it. When Trump was doing his daily briefings, he reached an all time high for his approval rating in aggregate. So I I, am willing to bet that amid all of this, this political impasse and stupid bickering amid, you know, uh, between uh, between those in Congress, the American people are going to be happy about it. Trump is standing up He's telling people what's going on. He's giving these briefings. His polls are improving. And now he's taking executive action to help the American people. They're going to be happy about it. They say this is not to say the president is in comeback territory. His approval rating remains deeply underwater, and he's trailed Biden in virtually every national poll since the beginning of the year, even before the coronavirus pandemic, racial unrest and more presented an unprecedented test to his presidency. That's not fair. You know, as I think RCP mentioned, he's got, you know, Trump was hit with three political nuclear bombs. So, you know, what can you expect? As these things start to clear up, Trump will probably begin, probably begin to start improving. People are going to be happy to see their unemployment benefits coming in. And if somebody wants to challenge Trump, they're not going to be happy about it. And they're going to point the finger at whoever, whoever is jamming them up. I think in the coming months, we're going to see a lot of chaos. You got the 50 days of siege planned at the White House. You've got these political fights between Trump and the Democrats. But I think it might ultimately come out in Trump's favor. I really do. I think right now the polls are wrong. Absolutely. We've seen the study from, you know, University of Illinois, where they mentioned the, the Beltway political bubble in journalism is smaller than it was in 2016. So these people don't know what they're talking about. The Democrats are getting a skewed view. They're pushing stupid policies. And I think people are starting to pay attention. Not only has Trump's COVID briefings helped him, but he had that, you know, he gave that speech yesterday. He addressed the nation. He signed the executive action. I'm willing to bet it's going to give him a boost. They say the latest RCP national polling average shows Trump trailing Biden by just over six points compared with nine points a month ago, a month ago. More significantly, the race is tightening in some key swing states. In Florida, Biden is leading by four points, according to the RCP average, down from eight in late July. And Trump is also seeing a tightening in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, trailing Biden by roughly five points in each, though the needle has not moved much in Michigan. But if these polls are wrong, like they were in 2016, and Trump's actually doing better, then the fact that the polls are improving show that he's doing way better than anyone realizes. The one thing you need to consider is the national polls are relatively meaningless. They're meaningless because Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. You got a lot of people in New York and California, so it makes sense. 
Now we're seeing people flee from these areas. The people who are first to flee are likely the more conservative. They're likely going to flee to suburban and rural areas. And this will probably hit some swing areas. And if they register to vote in time, it'll turn purple areas into solid red. Of course, the media is saying the opposite. They're arguing that we could potentially see a Joe Biden landslide, which makes no sense to me. It's this idea that the American people have amnesia. Maybe they do, but I don't think they do. I mean, people have consistently watched my content. I don't think these people are forgetting. In fact, my viewership is way up, which means more people are now starting to wake up and get politically active. But I got to point out as well, same is true for progressive channels and people that hate Trump. What we're really seeing is both sides desperately trying to focus everything on politics to activate as many non-voters as possible. I certainly hope so, man. I, I am not thrilled about what will happen if Joe Biden wins. I mean it. I think the Democrats have sold their souls in, in order to gain power. Trying to, re, to, to remove vo- voter signature verification to me reeks of corruption. Trying to get rid of voter ID, trying to mandate universal mail-in ballots, to me, it just reeks of corruption. Why would you need to do those things? They, for, they say voter disenfranchisement. No, 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 no. Mail-in voting disenfranchises people. In May, the Washington Post said younger voters, first-time voters, and minority voters are the most likely to be disqualified with mail-in voting. Why are they mandating these things which are going to hurt minorities? They are full of it. They're lying, man. So I'll tell you what. Trump forced it through to bypass that absurdity. And I think the American people are responding positively to this. I think his coronavirus uh, briefings are working out. And over in Portland, it's been nothing but insanity. As people march through neighborhoods with bullhorns screaming, you don't get to sleep, wake up. They go on people's property. They fight with cops to try to burn down buildings. If that in any way helps Trump, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If that, yes, whatever. I'm tired. It's Sundays. Forgive me. But if that in any way helps, uh, helps Joe Biden, I would be shocked. It will help Donald Trump. It helps Trump every, all, all the time. As I, as I, uh, you know what, I'm going to wrap it up here before I fall asleep or, or continue to stutter. So stick around. I will have more segments coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. 73 nights of rioting in Portland. And last night, Antifa tried to burn down the police union building again. And this, in my opinion, just proves Trump completely correct. They said that Trump was trying to stage, set up a stage for conflict and crisis in Portland so he could get videos for his reelection campaign. Well, Donald Trump said, no, this is what you will get under a Biden presidency. A bunch of people then said that, well, it's currently Trump's presidency and we're having it now. Therefore, under Trump's presidency, we get this. No, Trump was right. And I would like to thank the Democrats in Oregon for proving Donald Trump absolutely correct. You see, a deal was made between DHS and the state government or Oregon's governor, Kate Brown. The feds would stay in the courthouse. The state police would handle the riots. All of a sudden, these lefties came out and they were like, see, now that the feds are gone, everything's peaceful. Meanwhile, Antifa, Black Lives Matter rioters, were going to residential neighborhoods and acting a fool, getting into fights, trashing things. Now they're burning things. It's like the worst we've seen in a long time. What can we, what can we learn from this? What, what have they proven? Well, when Donald Trump and the DHS had feds deployed to protect the courthouse and the courthouse was engaging with the Black Lives Matter riots, it kept everything contained. And all of these lefties were like, 
It's only in a 12 block radius around the courthouse. Portland's fine. So what happened when the Fed said, okay, we'll leave this in your hands, state police? The far left Black Lives Matter rioters, whatever, have been going to different residential neighborhoods, starting fires, walking down the streets in the middle of the night with bullhorns, waking people up, running onto people's property. And now it is not contained. So when Donald Trump says under Biden, this is what you what you get. The Democrats of Oregon have just proven this. Trump was able to contain it to a certain degree. It wasn't going away, but he, it was things were being held in, in containment, right? And Trump didn't make the rioters happen, but he did deploy law enforcement to do something about it. The Democratic governor and the, the, now you've got the, the mayor, Ted Wheeler, and the district attorney, I believe the district attorney, they're releasing these people back onto the streets every single night. The riots continue. So who do you think is enabling this to happen? We've already seen some resistance people say that these far leftists may as well be wearing Trump buttons as they mill about because they're helping Trump's reelection campaign. But dude, who do you think keeps releasing these people? It's the DA. It's the mayor's orders. It's the governor. So this is what you will get under Joe Biden, presumably. What we know is that under the Democratic leadership, they let Antifa run around and act a fool. Why should I assume that under Joe Biden, he would do anything different? Donald Trump's got Operation Legend. They protest. He's got, what is it called? Diligent uh, Valor or whatever it was, where he sent out these, you know, CBP and ICE to bolster U.S. Marshals. This is Trump. Law and order. You get the marshals, you get the cops. They go out, they defend the courthouse. The Democrats, we got Antifa running around randomly all over the place, attacking residences. I tweeted this out the other day. The picture of the little old lady with paint on her face. I wonder how many votes Trump just got when people saw that video of these people attacking this little old lady and splashing her in the face with paint. Probably a lot. Because I look, I look at what's going on in these cities across the country. They tear down the statues. And then these politicians, to avoid conflict, they just come in and, and hire cranes without you know, any kind of democratic process and remove public monuments. This is what's going to keep happening. And I'll tell you what, man, I, I, I think I'm starting to get a clear picture of what it is the Democrats are really trying to do. But I'll save that for another segment. We'll, you know, I'll save the politics. What we'll talk about here are the riots. So we got the story from Fox News, and I got a bunch of videos, of course, from, the, like, uh, from people like Andy Ngo and uh, a few others. There's also some other, uh, you know, cra- there's, there's crazy videos outside of Portland. I'll just put it this way. This is more about the riots in general. In a Colorado town, a bunch of just Americans, you know, came out and they beat the crap out of Antifa. They really did. They, they, they just walked, said, get out of here, commie scum. And then apparently one of the Antifa guys attacked somebody in a wheelchair. So they just stomped the dude out. Cops came and arrested the Antifa people. These Antifa types, man, you see, when these Democrats don't send out the police or in these blue states, it's going to be on you, the residents, to get together and get these violent criminals out of your neighborhoods. It shouldn't have to be that way. We are a wealthy, safe nation. We have police for a reason. But we already saw a letter from the Portland Police Association where they were saying the police, uh, are, they have their hands tied behind their back. The mayor is not allowing them to go in and make arrests. And the DA keeps releasing everybody. Yup. Over in New York, somebody, a, a Black Lives Matter organizer, one of the leaders, bullhorned in a female officer's ear, injuring her. And they were going to charge this dude with, felon, with a felony assault on an officer, drop the charges down to a misdemeanor. People are outraged, man. These, these politicians are feckless. 
They are unable to actually deal with the issue. Or I tell you what, man, they like it. If you were to ask me, I think what we're really seeing in a lot of these cities, people like Ted Wheeler, the mayor of Portland, they love the riots, but they have to be careful because they want to get reelected to maintain the power. They're trying to convince the locals. I'm on your side as they lean over and whisper to the Antifa, you know, Black Lives Matter group. Keep doing it. You're doing great. Don't worry, everybody. Keep voting for me. I'm on your side. We're de-escalating. Excellent work, guys. Now go smash up that building. Let's read this story from Fox News and I'll show you some tweets. Portland riot declared as fire burns in police union offices. Once the riot was declared, officers used flashbangs and smoke canisters to clear the crowd. There's the headline from Fox News. Here's the headline from local outlet Oregon Live. Portland protest deemed riot and they put it in quotes. Saturday after fire set in police union building. Dude, if they're going to light a building on fire, you come on, man. (laughs) What's the threshold for a riot for Oregon Live? Portland riot. Okay. The Fox News did it well. I said Portland riot declared. There you go. So I'm not going to read Oregon Live. Let's read Fox News. They say a fire inside a police union building led authorities in Portland, Oregon to declare a riot and force. They still call them protesters. Come on, guys rioters away from the offices as violent riots continued in the city that had hoped for calm after federal agents withdrew more than a week ago. I I just want to I want to let you know, whenever you hear me say the word riot, I'm basically covering up for when these news outlets refer to it as a demonstration. A demonstration is when a bunch of people come out with little signs and they wave them. Okay, a protest is when people show up to an area and they say rabble, rabble, rabble. When you go and try to burn buildings down it is a violent riot. And you can get even crazy and call it insurrection, whatever. Come on, man. Not a protest. So I'm doing fact checking in real time to correct the false framing that even Fox News would put out. A group of rioters broke into the Portland Police Association building, set the fire and were adding to it when officers uh, made the riot declaration late Saturday. Police tweeted video shot by a journalist shows smoke and flames arising inside the building. Several hundred people had gathered outside the offices which are located about five miles north of the federal courthouse that had been the target of nightly violence earlier this summer. The Portland Police Association is a labor union that represents members of the Portland Police Bureau. Live video had shown multiple dumpster fires had been set near the building. An an, an apt description of what's going on in Portland. Less than half an hour after the police tweeted that criminal activities, including but not limited to vandalism, unlawful entry to the building or fire starting, could be subject to arrest the use of tear gas and or other crowd control munitions. We can see more photos. We got uh, Andy No tweets. Portland police declared a riot. Antifa broke inside the Union Hall. OK, OK. I know I've said this several times, but I really got to make sure this context is very clear for all of you, because not everybody watches every single video I do. These are not Antifa. OK, back in early uh, in, in 2011 during Occupy Wall Street, we had black block far leftists. OK, these were extremist leftists. They wear all black and they do this is exactly the same thing that we call Antifa. Antifa came about specifically as an economic communist kind of thing. They say they're anti-fascist. They oppose Trump. But the overwhelming majority of them organize around economic principles, which is communism or socialism or, you know, anarcho-communism, even though they're violent authoritarians. Sometimes they think they try to claim they're anarchists. They're not. That makes no sense. Anyway, these people are not Antifa. I'm sorry. Now, there is a, there, there's an overlap. 
Some of these people are in organized Antifa groups. But what we are seeing is Black Lives Matter riots. Now, I tell you why this is important. The people who are out rioting are doing so for social justice specifically, not economics specifically. They're waving flags that say Black Lives Matter. They're yelling Black Lives Matter at people. All right. They're putting up flyers for Black Lives Matter. There's a couple of reasons why this is important. When you say Antifa, they, they try to make it seem like you're talking about the DSA or, or, or communists. But Black Lives Matter is a specific ideology. Yes, they overlap. Absolutely. But Black Lives Matter is a widespread, prominent, organized movement with centralized leadership that fundraises. And they have activists in all these other cities. It is a top down centralized group. If these people are going around in the name of Black Lives Matter, if Black Lives Matter organizers are a part of this, we are not talking about simple decentralized small cells. We are talking about a national organization with massive fundraising capabilities and that regular people are supporting. So make sure you get it right. These people are literally waving flags that say Black Lives Matter on them. They are wearing it on their shirts. They are painting it on their shields. And I'm telling you this because the people who joined them, there are probably a lot of people who don't know anything about communism or fascism and don't care. They're anti-police brutality, Black Lives Matter protesters. Now they've been radicalized to join a more extremist black bloc. To assume all of these people are communists when they're not chanting for communism, I think would be incorrect, though many of them probably are. Many Black Lives Matter people are Marxists. We know that. The point I'm trying to make is the terminology is very important. There are people who will listen. If a group came out like revolutionary communists, right, is an actual group. They don't get a lot of support. People don't come out and say, yeah, go communism. When they say anti-fascism or refuse fascism, more people come out because they oppose Trump. When they say Black Lives Matter, way more people come out because way more people support Black Lives Matter. So the point is the core of this may be organized by revolutionary communists and the far left, but they are being bolstered specifically by a larger group of people who are in support of Black Lives Matter specifically. And if they turn around and said, OK, everybody, now we're only here for communism, those people would leave. It's important when you realize that Black Lives Matter is being used in this election that people are straight up saying, you know, do you support the movement or not? And it's centralized and it's it's supported by all of these Democrats. Antifa is not. OK, listen, Antifa gets criticized by by some people on the left. Joe Biden said, find them, lock them up. OK, Joe Biden, do you support Black Lives Matter? Do you support these people? They've been flying the banner of Black Lives Matter. Well, he's condemned the violence. OK, good for him. But are we going to see Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and, and Nadler and all these other people condemn Black Lives Matter riots? I, I would not would not think so because they wouldn't even condemn Antifa. And now they're now you've got to make it clear that these you know, these politicians have literally gotten on their knees for Black Lives Matter. And will Black Lives Matter denounce the people flying their flag and organizing protests in their name? Of course they won't. This is part of the movement. It's what they want. The demands they have are part of the Black Lives Matter movement, not Antifa. Defund the police is a Black Lives Matter, you know, protest demand. So this is all a part of it. Make sure you you let people know that because when you say Antifa, people are going to be like, I don't know what that is. You say, you know, Black Lives Matter, right? Yeah, they're rioting. They're wearing all black. They're smashing windows and starting fires. Now that I've ranted through that pretty heavily, 
They say the gatherings this week had been noticeably smaller than the crowds of thousands who turned out nightly for about two weeks in July to protest the presence of U.S. agents by the Trump administration. So you, you get the general idea. Here we can see that uh, uh, we have from Sergio Almos, Jonathan Barwood, manager of a local business, says there wasn't major damage to his business. This is from, uh, you know, this is from today. But protesters did take the tables and chairs that were outside. Terrence Moses says these are black owned businesses and the destruction from these protests doesn't support Black Lives Matter. You see why it's important to point this out. If they won't call this out, then Black Lives Matter rioters and, and people are saying things like, well, it's actually Antifa flying the banner of no, 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 no. Listen, man, there is right now. Let's 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 let, there's a guy named John Doe. And you walk up and say, would you like to join a communist revolution? He says, no, I don't care about that. How would you like to support Black Lives Matter? He says, here, here, buddy, I'm coming on down. That's what you need to understand. The reason why these crowds, these riots are able to sustain themselves is because they are not. They are organized by these Antifa people who know the tactics and know how to bolster you know, and, and how to engage, you know, in this kind of behavior. But their numbers are Black Lives Matter specifically. So check this out. This video from Brittany 3L, I think it is. Rioters in Portland terrorizing residents, yelling, we're going to burn your building down. We know where you live. In this video, you actually have people yelling Black Lives Matter. And they're shining lights into random people's homes, threatening them, saying things like, if you have to wake up for work, you're indoctrinated by capitalism. You see, Antifa is there, but they are using Black Lives Matter to bolster their numbers. And the guy who yelled Black Lives Matter probably doesn't know or care at all about economics. But I'll tell you this, now that Black Lives Matter is prominent, they'll coax these people in and say, do you believe in Black Lives Matter? Yes. OK, so you oppose capitalism, right? And they'll go, oh, I guess. And there it is. I got a couple more tweets. We got this one. This is a crazy video. Overnight, last night, hundreds of Antifa descended on the Portland Police Union building in North Portland. They blocked the road, started street fires, and tried to burn down the Union Hall again. Video from inside shows the arson attack. It is a crazy, crazy video, man. I, I want to move forward and show you a bit, a bit more that we have here. Andy No says, quote, we're going to burn your building down. We know where you live. As Antifa have taken to Portland residential areas to riot, they've also assaulted and intimidated residents. Tonight, they threatened those who looked out the window. They were bullhorning. Wake up, wake up. I wonder how many of these people are going to vote out Ted Wheeler. Here's something I find funny. Check this out. Nick Budnick says Portland Police Bureau investigating report of explosive device thrown at protesters in Laurelhurst Park. Yeah, right. There's a video going around where it's like this really weird, stiff, kind of fake seeming conversation. And then all of a sudden there's a bang and they look over and someone's on the ground and they're like, where do you go? Oh, and they point over there and it's like nothing, nothing happened. It seems like they may have accidentally set off one of their mortar bombs on themselves and then claimed they were being attacked by fascists and it was really dumb. But more importantly, are they now organizing with police? The police are investigating this and they're asking for tips. What, why would anyone give the police a tip to help them? You're protesting the police every single night. It makes no sense. Well, let's move on from Portland and I'll, t- and I'll tell you what's going on. Check this out. Ian Miles Chong says, Antifa commie scum get their A's handed to them in Colorado by local residents. And it is a rather peaceful video I like of people wearing Blue Lives Matter and thin blue line shirts, and they're pushing out Antifa. I got I got a pseudo standing ovation for all y'all standing up for what you believe in peacefully until Antifa literally attacked a guy in a wheelchair. Then they defended him. And of course, Antifa got stomped out. Let me tell you something, man. These Antifa guys, they're aggressive, they're violent, and their organizers are very, very smart. Do not underestimate them. 
However, the rank and file are pathetic, scrawny losers who don't even know how to throw a punch and their limp wristed attacks fail. (laughs) They can hurt you. They have knives, right? They can use weapons. They're not stupid. Anybody can pick up a knife. But when it comes to an actual brawl, baby, these regular dudes who probably work all day, so they have a bit of muscle on them, just one, two punch, these guys go down. I tell you what, man, these Antifa guys spend too much time sitting in their rooms complaining, and then they get recruited by these other organized, you know, these, these far lefties to come out, wear all black. But as soon as you get a regular working American, somebody who actually has to lift something, you know, every day, I love it. You, you, you lift stuff, you work with your body, you get some muscle mass, whether you wanted to or not. You put that up against one of these scrawny little Antifa complainers, it's not going to go well. And this is why I think for the most part, when you see regular people going up against Antifa, Antifa gets stomped out because they don't work. They literally don't work. Why is it that these people, you know, that you don't, you don't see regular people out marching in the streets all the time. They've been, there, there have been protests. They've been getting bigger. There was a walkaway protest in, I think it was in Beverly Hills. It was massive. It was crazy. Brandon Strzok, you know, the former Democrat, now Republican walkaway campaign, thousands of people. Seriously, I was, I was shocked by that. No, no joke. These people have jobs. So if you, so it's like, I always say, you know, if you see like 10 conservatives, that would be the equivalent of like 50 far leftists, because how many conservatives actually can take time off from their jobs to go out and do these things? And I'm not trying to say that to like play, play to some stupid stereotype about the far left. I'll tell you straight up, you got younger people in the far left and unemployed people. And on the conservative side, you've got older, slightly older, more, more likely to be and people who have jobs. So you see these dudes who are coming out and they're not scrawny. All right. First of all, they probably have a hearty meat diet, a lot of protein, and they probably do work, trade jobs, and they got to they got to move around. They got to use their muscles. There you go. You don't got to work out to get ripped. Some like I used to work when I worked for O'Hare. I worked at O'Hare Airport, Chicago. I was lifting something like 30 to 50,000 pounds of luggage every single day. That that's that's a workout, man. And so you take these people who don't do any work. These locals, man, they're going to come out. They're not going to play games with you. They're going to they're going to stomp you out. Now, Antifa, they're trying to go into residential areas to assert their presence and all that stuff for sure. Take a look at what's going on in Manhattan. Out, outrage as Manhattan District Attorney drops the felony charge against BLM leader accused of assaulting an NYPD cop and releases him on bail. You got to be kidding me, dude. Drops. Look at this. The Manhattan DA dropped felony charges down to a uh, to a misdemeanor. It says the leader was accused of assaulting an officer after an angry crowd chased off an NYPD team. DA Cyrus Vance personally ordered the charges against Derek Ingram, 28, dropped from felony assault to second degree misdemeanor assault. Ingram is accused of injuring a female cop by shouting directly in her ear with a bullhorn on June 14th, resulting in the officer being hospitalized with temporary hearing damage. That's insane, man. They're going to keep letting him go. And I think I know why. But look, you get it. I, I, every morning I'm going to be waking up talking about these riots because they're escalating because the Portland police have their hands tied behind their backs. But at a certain point, I'm going to tell you this. Look, man, I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't have all the answers, but I, I feel like the Portland police, you, you either need to step up or stand down. All right. If the mayor is saying don't engage with Antifa unless say no, 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 no. OK, if they're going to b- break the law and we see him, go arrest them. That's what the PPA was complaining about. They can't actually do anything until after Antifa already does a bunch of messed up stuff. They have like constraints put on them. Okay, you can't play the middle ground, dude. Ted Wheeler's trying to get reelected. So he's trying to make you look like the bad guys. So how about this? You say all or nothing. We're either doing our jobs or we don't do our jobs. 
But if you keep just doing what Ted Wheeler wants, the mayor of Portland, he is using you to get reelected. So maybe what the police need to do is uphold the law or quit. Or maybe just, you know, blue flu. I, I applaud these cops that are going out every day trying to stop these rioters. All right. But I'll tell you what's going to happen. It really does seem like these Democrats are going to get Trump reelected. If Ted Wheeler just stomped out these riots, called on the police to just come out with, with brute force, lock these people up, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be done. It'd be crushed. And there'd be no riot for Trump to complain about. But because Ted Wheeler doesn't want to, because he's scared and wants to get reelected, because the police are willing to play that game, Trump's probably going to win. And maybe that's the, long, that's, that's the long con. The cops in Portland are like, hey, man, so long as these riots keep happening, more people are going to vote for Trump. Maybe that's what they're thinking. And then they'll get four years where they'll actually get an advocate on their side. Listen, I've been getting more and more frustrated with a lot of these stories about cops not doing, you know, their, their real duty. I see most police as pretty awesome, like straight up. Every single time I've had an issue and I call my local department, you know, living out in the suburbs, I get it. Maybe it's a luxury, but I do not live in a wealthy suburb. I live in kind of a poor place. These are not rich people who live around me. These houses are not expensive. And the cops are always there. They're chill. They hang out. There's not that many of them. So, mo- you know, you, you might recognize or know them. They're cool dudes. They, they, they've come to my house. They've helped me out. And they're regular cool people. And it's, I guess it's, that's the way it is when you live in a smaller, when a smaller, smaller town, perhaps. In cities, I get, I get it's more difficult. I get frustrated when I see these cops giving in to the demands of these politicians, helping them with their reelection campaigns. It is your responsibility, man, to be that hero, to step up and do what you need to do. And we got cops doing that every day, refusing to uphold unconstitutional edict. But we got bad cops, too. And I'm not saying they're bad as in they're snarling evil villains. It's the banality of evil. It's, it's Mayor Bill de Blasio in New York breaking the law to steal taxpayer funds for his campaign slogan. And then he has the police come and protect it just to help them get it reelected. And those cops are like, whatever. Well, you made that choice, bro. You are aiding and abetting this dude. You've got to make the right decision and uphold the law. But I know, I know. It's not on the average cop to understand the legalities and the complexities. So it's a, it's a tough system. But I do get frustrated. And, and, and look, I got to tell you, man, I've never been. I've always been a police reformer, right? A reformist or whatever. I've always thought we need to make some changes. We need accountability, body cams, whatever we got to do. For one, protect good cops. Two, get rid of bad cops. Make a better system where the police can work with the community with more trust. And it's tough. It really is. I'll leave it there, man. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, a deeper dive on what's going on in New York. I think I figured out. We got a new story. Turns out Bill de Blasio is planning on buying up property. Sounds, sounds like, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, was it, was it, wasn't that the plot of RoboCop or something? The, you know, they wanted the crime to skyrocket to buy up buildings. Whatever, man. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I will see you all then. It seems like the Democratic leadership in New York is purposefully burning the whole place to the ground. New York City has been suffering from some time. First, there was COVID, then there was mass rioting. Yet for some reason, Bill de Blasio sides with the riots. I mean, not overtly like telling people to go on riot, but he goes and marches with these people. He supports it. He paints their message. And then what do we get? Destroyed businesses from COVID, destroyed businesses from riots. Then we get Andrew Cuomo putting sick COVID patients into nursing homes, resulting in the death of 6,500 people. Now they've set up checkpoints around Manhattan. There's a 14-day quarantine and a $10,000 fine for anybody who breaks that quarantine, guaranteeing that tourists will not come. And the end result, property values are tanking. People are, trying, are, are already fleeing the city, leaving empty buildings behind. Tourists won't come. 
They're facing a $30 billion budget shortfall. And my question is, why? Well, I speculated in the past, you know, maybe it's just ineptitude. They have no idea what they're doing. Bill de Blasio now mocking the wealthy as they flee while Andrew Cuomo begs them to stay because they need their money. But Bill de Blasio, wow, he calls them fair weather friends. Why would he do this? So I started to speculate, maybe what's going to happen is once everyone flees and leaves these empty, worthless properties, the prices tank, the rich people come in, buy up all the buildings. Then once the economy recovers, now they own large swaths of the city. Yeah, it appears that's actually the case, only it's coming from the government. We're now learning what may be the true motive of Bill de Blasio. Why is he putting homeless people in luxury hotels? Why is he putting convicted offenders near playgrounds? Why would he do this? It's going to destroy the economy. It's going to destroy property value. It's going to drive people out. Uh, And there it is. De Blasio reveals he wants to buy empty NYC buildings and turn them into affordable housing after moving 13,000 homeless into hotels for more than $2 million a night and shaming rich residents who left to escape COVID-19 as fair weather friends. It would seem that Bill de Blasio has a radical agenda. He's burning this city to the ground on purpose so he can buy up the buildings and put poor people in them. Okay, listen, I'm all about helping the poor, setting up shelters and low-income housing. I'm just not all about the authoritarian dictatorship style of destroying people's lives and forcing them to flee. That's, that's evil, man. You know, we're, we're trying to work together to improve everybody's life, everybody's lives. And de Blasio, he actually is causing pain and suffering to some people for other people. Now, now the left will argue, I don't care. They'll, they'll say things like, I don't care about the rich. So what? They'll be fine. And you know what? To an extent, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, in the end, If we can get homeless people, you know, shelter and take care of them and give them services to make sure we can deal with this problem, that's okay. Uh, That's a good thing. What you got to understand, though, is just putting homeless people in a building doesn't solve any problems. What Bill de Blasio is doing is he was he is destroying the city's economy, which will hurt the middle class more when there's no jobs and nowhere to work and there's no tax revenue. Services are gone so that he can sweep the problem under the rug. He's not actually trying to do anything other than burn it all down and sweep the problem under the rug. Putting homeless people in houses is not a long-term solution and does not address what caused the homelessness in the first place. Mayor Bill de Blasio from the Daily Mail on Friday revealed a plan to buy properties around the city and turn them into permanent affordable housing after moving more than 10,000 homeless people into hotels during the COVID-19 pandemic and shaming rich residents who have left the city as fair weather friends. At a press conference on Friday, he did not say which type of buildings the city had its eye on, and the city is refusing to give more details, citing privacy concerns. De Blasio only said there was an opportunity to get creative now when it comes to finding housing for New York's homeless. It presents a stark scenario for landlords or building owners who may be struggling to collect rent from current tenants, many of whom both commercial and residential have absconded. The homeless in hotels scheme set up by de Blasio is one of many components to an escalating downward change in the city. A downward change. Let me help you out. Death spiral. The people who pay the taxes are gone. The tax base of New York has been has been completely eroded. Who is going to pay for the for the utilities now? Who is going to pay for the water, for the MTA? The middle class 
and the lower class will suffer the most so that Bill de Blasio, the city can snatch up all these buildings. Now, maybe he wants to Bill de Blasio wants to buy these. Is that a plan for the city? Turn around. Let's see. Bill de Blasio and Friday revealed the plan to buy properties around the city and turn them into affordable housing. So it seems like a government effort, though. I wouldn't put it past de Blasio to personally buy buildings, considering he is himself a landlord. This dude is not some utopian hero for the left. He's not even progressive. He's a he's a property owner. He's a capitalist and he is unrepentant. You see what he does is is the worst aspects of it. Pretend to be a hero for the left. Use that to destroy people's lives. And then he can buy all of these pop properties on the cheap. Amazing. Once the price gets jacked up, he'll sell them at a premium. Many of New York's wealthy residents fled months ago, taking their disposable income and their tax dollars with them, and there are fears they may never come back. Crime is on the up, but de Blasio has stripped the police force of $1 billion in response to Black Lives Matter protests. Think about it. He took away the anti-crime unit. Crime is skyrocketing. He puts convicted criminals and homeless people in luxury hotels. Now the wealthy flee. Now he's going to buy the property up. You know, is this the plot of RoboCop? Welcome to r slash RoboCop on Reddit, where they posted this meme. Remember in RoboCop movies when corporate America aids criminals and helps incite riots so they can lower property values and buy up the city while privatizing that city's police force? Haha, <laughs> science fiction is crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now about that. Outrage as Manhattan's district attorney drops the felony charge against BLM leader accused of assaulting an NYPD cop. Now, why would they go and do that? Why would the district attorney say you are you are free to? Okay, okay, I'll calm down. They're dropping it from a felony to a misdemeanor. But one of the big questions that's been you know floating around for a minute is why the district attorneys in all these places keep releasing the criminals back on the street. Why are they releasing the criminals from the prisons? I tell you what, man. I think we can only speculate. But Bill De Blasio, Bill De Blasio wants to buy up these cheap properties. Could it be that by releasing prisoners? allowing rioters to destroy your businesses, releasing these criminals back onto the street destroys the property value of a city. And then once they own the cheap property, they'll gentrify everything back up, boot out the poor people, and they'll own everything, almost everything. Some retailers and restaurants have been forced to close permanently. And those who are hanging on face continuously changing and difficult rules, like having to sell substantial amounts of food to customers to avoid crowds gathering. De Blasio and Cuomo are enforcing checkpoints to stop tourists from 35 COVID hotspot states from entering the city without quarantining for 14, for, for, quarantining for 14 days too. That, now there's no, that, there's no tourist revenue and they're doing everything to make sure there won't be. They're destroying the small business. Earlier this year, it emerged that 139 struggling hotels are taking in homeless people to avoid deathly COVID-19 breakouts in shelters. The effort is being mostly paid for by FEMA, but 25% of it's uh, coming from the city's shrinking budget. It brings some cash to the struggling hotels, which were decimated by the pandemic. Though the program, through the program, they take $175 per person per night, with more than 13,000 homeless currently being housed in hotels is more than $2.275 million, according to anonymous city sources who have been quoted. Here's some photos. Yes. So here's some photos of all the just drug use, homelessness. It's, it's crazy. It's the crazy thing to me is that they put the homeless people in these hotels and the homeless people just walk outside and start doing drugs on the sidewalk. My friends, 
I used to work for a homeless shelter. I know a lot about the problem. The problem is not that these people, there's this assumption among the far left that homeless people are just downtrodden individuals who need, who need help lift, being lifted back up. I'm sorry, but that's just not the reality. There are real people who are hardworking, good Americans who became homeless because of economic circumstances. There are many, but it's a small percentage. Many of the homeless people I encountered working for a homeless shelter, I was a director. Many of them wanted to be homeless. Many of them chose to be homeless and would resist any and all efforts to bring them to the shelter and help them get their life in order. They were happy doing what they were doing. Many of them did drugs, but many of them are also mentally ill. A mentally ill person can't just be placed into a, 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 an apartment building. They need help living, finding food, staying clean and, and sober and healthy. Some of these people require medication. The answer isn't simply sweep it under the rug like Bill de Blasio would do. We can see this photo. It says large numbers of homeless men have been moved into three hotels, as we know, and there's photos. Now, I, I think it's silly to assume all these photos are all homeless guys. I mean, these, these, these do not look like homeless people. What, what, is, what are you doing, Daily Mail? Now, this does. So the question, you know, I wonder why, if these people are being moved in these areas, why they're just going out into the street. But there it is, man. On Friday, after wealthy residents on the Upper West Side took to social media in, their, in, in, in droves to complain about homeless people from three of the hotels terrorizing their streets with urine, loitering and doing drugs, de Blasio said the system was not permanent, but would likely continue until there is a vaccine, something that is still months away. How insane. I can't believe it, man. I mean, I can't believe it, to be honest. 15 days to slow the spread. We're not going to be able to stop everybody from giving, getting COVID. In fact, we aren't going to be able to stop anybody from getting it, but we can slow the spread so the hospitals don't get overwhelmed. Remember that. Now it's, we're going to stop it, period. They are spitting in your face. Bill de Blasio is a criminal who, pay, who used taxpayer money against the law to paint a political slogan and then used the NYPD to protect it. Shame on those cops for helping Bill de Blasio with this political reelection campaign. But I, I, I say at the end of the day, it's a leadership problem. The goal here continues to, to be to deal with the short term, which let's say six months ish, while we are dealing with this crisis until people are vaccinated. Once we get out of that, we're going to move out of hotels and go back into the shelter system. We're going to constantly try to reduce the number of people in shelters. We're going to have an opportunity here to be creative and get get people into other better housing. He was asked if the city would consider turning the hotels into permanent housing and answered vaguely. There are buildings we control already. That's where we're looking to or want to control or purchase where we're looking to do permanent affordable housing. Man, do not invest in New York. Anybody who's dumb enough to buy up these cheap properties now that people are fleeing, you got to be nuts, man. Because I'll tell you what you're going to get with these people in the next 10 years. It's going to be way worse. They're going to have more permanent shelters. They're going to do more of what they're already doing to destroy the city. A spokesman for the mayor's office later insisted the hotels would not become permanent shelters, but they refused to disclose which types of buildings he was talking about out of privacy concerns. They said the city would be asking for reimbursement from the federal government for the money spent on placing the homeless in hotels because it was an emergency expense. And there it is. I do not live in New York, but they expect me to contribute to pay for it. Man, I love it, huh? The city is also refusing to release the list of the 139 hotels where the homeless are currently being cared for. On the Upper West Side, remaining residents are now taking to social media to share photographs of people lying in the streets and being antisocial. Violent crime 
apparently is up 286% on the Upper West Side of Manhattan as thieves and criminals are robbing people with weapons. A Facebook group in which residents have shared pictures of men urinating, self-gratifying themselves, keep it family friendly, and laying sprawled out on the sidewalk near the hotels has been set up. And there are other complaints on Twitter. Our community is terrified, angry, and frightened. One organizer of the 1700 member group, Dr. Megan Martin, told The Post. Well, listen, man, I'm really sorry. I know it's not going to be easy for everybody, but you got to get out of that city, man. You think he's done now? They are burning it to the ground. The homeless were moved from dorm style accommodation around the city to hotels so they can be housed one or two to a room in order to protect them from COVID more effectively. Department of Homeless Service Commissioner Stephen Banks said Thursday, in order to to defuse that ticking time bomb, we implemented a massive emergency relocation of human beings from uh, from those congregate shelters throughout the city, more than 10,000 in about eight weeks. However, local residents fear the situation around the three hotels could be spiraling out of control. Well, it is. It absolutely is. The police, for whatever reason, can't do their jobs, aren't doing their jobs. 600 cops from the anti-crime unit are, have been relocated. But this is not the worst of it. I'm sorry, reassigned, not relocated, reassigned. So crime is skyrocketing. Yeah, we can, we can laugh and say it sounds like the plot of RoboCop, at least a bit, right? But I wonder, I, I, I wonder you know, as many people do, is this on purpose? I mean, the point of this segment is to say it seems to be the case. Now, you could argue, like the left probably will, we need to protect these homeless people. People shouldn't die just because they're poor. And if we're trying to help them by giving them shelters and COVID is a problem, we need to relocate them, right? Ladies and gentlemen, what if I told you that Bill de Blasio was illegally doing this? What if I told you that everything he was doing, okay, not everything, but a lot of what he was doing was actually against the law. I bring you now to the worst of it. New York City illegally placed child offenders. I'll I'll say that. I got to keep it family friendly, but you know what I mean when I say it. Near Upper West Side Playground from the New York Post, the city dumped at least six homeless diddlers, all still on parole at at a luxury Upper West Side hotel, just a block from an elementary school playground. An apparent violation of state law online records show. Tell me they're not doing this on purpose. They did not have to do that. They did not have to put those people there near a playground, near children. But they did it. I'll tell you what, man, one way to make sure you destroy this city is doing this. Who in their right mind wants to go anywhere near this place now? Nobody's going to want to live there, raise their kids there. New York City, you know, probably uh, the, the big, it's the biggest. It's, it's one of America's great cities, maybe the greatest. At least it used to be. And now it's a a shell of its former self. It is a dried and withered husk. Under the leadership of Bill de Blasio, he is destroying the lives of regular people. The outrage is only the latest slap in the face to residents of the Manhattan neighborhood, who has the Post reported, and I talked about this, you know, people pissing all over the place, completely unacceptable. See Sabina Popovich, 32, who was at the playground with her daughter, five, and son, one. Well, you need to get your family out of here. Were the mass riots not enough for you? The six parolees. I'm not, I'm not going to read that. I, I, th- these people are disgusting. A four-year-old girl. I'll just tell you that, man. I'm trying to keep it family friendly. The hotel is just under 1,000 feet from the playground of PS87. And New York state law bars such high-risk offenders on probation or parole from knowingly enter, not entering into or upon schools or other facilities or other facilities primarily used by children 
if a minor is present. Courts have interpreted that to mean they must keep 1,000 feet away. Reached for comment on the registry listings showing the men currently live at the Bella Claire. A city rep said Friday, the listings are not accurate and that the names you referenced are not at, the lo- not at that location. Asked if the men ever lived at the hotel and why that remained their official address, the rep declined to comment, citing confidentiality rules. And there it is. They're lying. They're lying. They're burning it down. A rep for the state registry said the list reflects the most current information the agency has. The city began quietly moving the homeless into the Bella Claire and other Upper West Side hotels in recent weeks amid fears its shelters couldn't provide enough pandemic. So no, no, I, I don't I don't buy it, man. There are so there are so many ways that New York City could have accommodated the homeless and putting them in wealthier or middle class areas, areas with families doesn't make sense. Sorry, it doesn't. You got Staten Island. You got Brooklyn. You got Queens. You got the Bronx. You got a lot of space. I mean, Staten Island, not not to rag on, you know, not to put the pressure on the people from Staten Island, but couldn't you find a place further out, a bigger, a bigger facility where you could house these people instead of just saying, I don't know, put them in a luxury hotel in a, in a, in a, in a prominent area of the city where you know it's going to destroy property values? They're striking at the core of New York's tax base. Around 1% of the, pop, of, of the population of New York was paying something like 45% of the, of the income taxes, and they're fleeing. So I'll tell you what, man. This was what I, w- I believed was happening, that Cuomo and de Blasio want NYC to burn figuratively so that the city and other wealthy industrialists get an opportunity to buy up and snatch up more property, centralizing authority and power in the hands of a few. De Blasio is as crooked as they come, man. Painting that Black Lives Matter mural on the street is as crooked as you get. And when other people wanted their murals, he said, no, nope. He did it without approval, without permits. He just took taxpayer funds and made them paint this message for his campaign. And now he's burning the city down. It is a radical far left agenda. Do not let these people win. And if you live in New York and you stay, you better vote them out. But I'll tell you what, the people most likely to vote out de Blasio, they fled. The people most likely to fund the opponents of these radical politicians, they fled. What's left? Maybe this is what de Blasio wants. He wants to buy up these properties, but he also wants a radicalized city. Get the moderates and the conservatives out. They, you know, divide the country in such a way that the the left becomes the radicals, the far left extremists, the people like AOC. You know, she won her primary. Kind of surprising. You know, I I wondered. But this is the Democratic Party now. She could still theoretically lose because 20 percent of her district is conservative. Maybe that's why Bill de Blasio wanted to burn it all to the ground, because those conservatives are all fleeing. The first people to leave are not going to be the far left. It's going to be the conservatives. It's going to be the people who have the money and take the responsibility, uh, you know, take the individual responsibility to get out and go live somewhere else to get away from these people. Thus, they have given the territory of New York City to the radicals who are doing radical things that destroy it to reshape it in their image. It's been their goal for a long time, and it seems like they're going to get what they want. But November is coming. I don't know when de Blasio is up for re-election, but I don't know if there'll be people left to vote against him. Maybe there'll be enough regular people, even progressives who hate the guy who would vote against him. But AOC is probably going to win. I mean, everybody thinks she does. It's possible she doesn't, but I really doubt the Republican takes it. If every single conservative and, and moderate in that district voted against AOC, she'd lose in a landslide. But I'm not sure they're remaining. Following all of this insanity, the, the disgusting criminals being placed, placed near playgrounds, 
Who in their right mind would stay in this place? Now nah, they're going to get out. And many of them already did. That's why Cuomo is begging. De Blasio doesn't care. It's been, it, it seems to be his goal. Bill de Blasio is mocking them and shaming them as they leave. He's doing everything in his power to make sure the tax base is eroded, to destroy property value in prominent areas. And I'll tell you what, the way I see it, it's on purpose. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Coming to a city near you. Nothing. Nothing is coming to a city near you because they're defunding a ridiculous amount of police departments and truckers don't want to go to cities that don't have police departments. I mean, it makes sense. They're carrying trucks. The trucks are full of stuff. People want to loot that stuff. You need cops. When the rioting broke out and reached its apex, we saw tons of videos of truckers getting, getting you know, their trucks looted, getting robbed. Then you had that video of the, uh, the truck driver on the highway. I think it was LA. And when there's a big crowd of people, he tries slowing down because he didn't want to hit him. Then they all jump on the vehicle and start bashing out the windows. They pull him out, beat the crap out of the guy, pull out his cell phone, start filming and showing all of his text messages. Apparently, it turns out nobody wanted to drive that truck down the highway because of the threat of the rioters. Sure enough, the guy made a bad move. Now, I don't blame these truckers, man. If they're if they're saying they, they're not going to drive through these cities because there's no cops, I get it. But check this out. Soon to be released survey of 158 police departments shows almost half have had budget cuts. Wow, man. You mean to tell me about 129 departments have their budget slashed? So yeah, when I say nothing is coming to a city near you, you better believe it. It might be your city. And are you going to blame these guys? I'll tell you what, man, you got to vote out these people because they are taking away the cops. Listen, you go to the store, there's milk. You go to the store, there's eggs, bread. What people don't realize is that truckers are driving this stuff across the country. You better thank your lucky stars. Truck drivers are willing to do this job even as of right now. And I'm sorry, man. If I one day, you know, wake up, go to the store and there's no milk, I'm going to be like, I get it. I get it. I'm not going to blame these guys. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm moving away from the cities. I'm in the suburbs right now. It's relatively safer compared to the cities, but I'm, I'm, I don't even want to be here because look, man, we see these riots in the cities. Now in Portland, they're going to residential neighborhoods. It will start spreading to suburbs. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be ahead of the curve here. You know, the people who, who move to the suburbs now, it's going to come after you. Let's read. A trucking company owner told Fox News on Wednesday that in order to keep drivers safe, he will not direct services to cities that are pushing to defund the police. Our first priority is to support our drivers and their safety when they're on the road. Co-owner of JK, JKC Trucking, Mike Kacharski, told Fox and Friends. Kucharski said that defunding the police is a bad idea because drivers carry valuable cargo on the road for weeks. Everybody wants to steal this. A soon to be be released survey of 258 police departments nationwide shows almost half have had their budgets cut amid calls for police to be defunded despite increases in gun violence and otherwise violent crime in some parts of the country, according to USA Today. The outlet was the first to report that the Police Executive Research Forum publication which is expected to be released in the coming day in the coming days shows cuts in the police budgets are largely being made to training and equipment. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dude, training. We need more training. That's part of the problem. A lot of guys. So in New York, you had this incident where a guy, you know, went up to the Empire State Building, I guess, with a gun, shot his boss, came down. The police tried to stop him and they fired several times, hitting a bunch of bystanders. And people said cops need more funding for training. Now, y'all taking it away? Man, protesters are pushing to defund the police. 
over the death of George Floyd. Floyd died. We, we know how George, uh, how, how we know how George Floyd died. Kucharski said that his company is also avoiding states pushing to defund the police because his insurance coverage is prone to dissolve. Another issue that I'm seeing in the future is I have cargo insurance, liability insurance, fiscal damage insurance. And I'm very curious how, when I renew my contract at the end of the year, if there is going to be language, if I'm going to even have coverage going into these places. Right now, I have coverage going all over domestically. You have to get special coverage for Canada and Mexico, or you might have to buy special riders for this on top of everything. People don't get it, man. They don't understand how insurance works. So did you know that when you were like a homeowner, a lot of people, you, you, might, you, might, you might not own a home. Your insurance company for your house is going to be like, do you have a fire, a fire hydrant nearby? You don't, we won't insure you. I kid you not. You might live in a city and an insurance company is going to be like, where's the nearest hydrant? And you'll say at the end of the block, they'll say, no, thank you. Call a different company. And then you got to find another company and they'll say, where's your nearest hydrant? They'll say at the end of the block. And they'll say, okay, we're going to charge you an extra hundred bucks a month or something because that, that's, that plays a role in this. Are they going to be able to get the water to your building? So think about what, how it comes down for truckers. They, it, might, it's, it's, it might not even be an issue of their choice. It might come down to this. You get Minneapolis, you get Seattle, defunded police. Check this out. They say 258 departments, half of those are having their budget slashed. Well, at least 11 are defunding their police departments overtly. So do we have, we have Seattle, we got New York, LA, we got San Francisco, we got DC. Look at all these cities, Baltimore, Portland, Oregon, Philly, Hartford, Norman, Oklahoma, Salt Lake City. I'll tell you what's going to happen. These truckers are going to be filling out their forms for their yearly insurance or whatever. And it's going to say, do you intend to carry cargo into Los Angeles? Yes. Sorry, we can't, we can't insure you. They've defunded their department. Do you want to carry cargo into New York City? Yes. Sorry, we can't do it. Now, what do you think happens when you live in these cities? Man, I am warning you now to get out of these cities. New York, LA, Chicago. That's a bummer, isn't it? But you're going to find out one day, you're going to go to the bodega and you're going to be like, what do we got for food? And they're going to say nothing. We have dry noodles. That's it. And you're going to say, where's the food? Truckers won't come anymore because New York City got rid of their anti-crime unit and crime is skyrocketing. They're putting homeless people everywhere. And you know, also you're, you're, you're going to get, let me, let me, let me show you how they, how, how this all goes down. I'm not going to play this video because this is YouTube. You know how it goes. Jason Rant says, a woman and reporter are assaulted by Seattle Antifa goons and agitators. She put out the flag that was on fire. Then the, the, then the Antifa guys start attacking a photographer. They all get beaten up. And what do you think? What do you think the sympathetic leftist media has to say about this? Well, over at, the, at Oregon Live, they say, freelance journalists and live streamers face crowd control munitions arrests to cover Portland Black Lives Matter demonstrations. I love it. These people are sowing the seeds of discord and destruction for our, 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 our country, man. You think a truck driver is going to want to drive into Portland right now? I mean, a, a lot of them probably are, but I wonder how many of them are, are carrying, if you know what I mean. And I'll tell you what, after all the riots where we saw the looting and the vandalism, people were jumping into FedEx trucks, stealing everything. I wouldn't be surprised if it starts to dry up, not just because of you know, truck drivers not wanting to do it, but again, like I mentioned, insurance. Because you can be assured that when you see these people get attacked, the media is going to be on the side of the offender, not the victim. Isn't it funny how they constantly talk about victim blaming or victim shaming or whatever? Now, here you literally have the media getting the backs of the extremists and not the people doing journalism. I'm, I'm sorry. They're, they're, they're taking the backs of, uh, of the, uh, well, it's, it's a little bit of both, I should say. The extremists are attacking the journalists, but they blame the cops. That's the way I'm trying. That's, that's how I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to explain. 
Freelance journalists face crowd control munitions. munitions. Sure, they do too. But the people who are down there and are not being attacked, yet yeah, they're on the side of the extremists producing propaganda. These are the activists who are going out. Not all of them. I get it. Not all of them. I know a few of them who are doing a good job. But why won't they call out the far left extremists when it pertains to journalists? Because they're going to keep pushing that narrative. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. Because the media will consistently back the rioters and the Democrats will as well, you are going to see a slow, I guess, dissolving of resources and access and privileges and luxuries. People who need to come in to do jobs, they're not going to do it. It's not just about truckers, man. Let's let's level this whole thing up. The media will keep putting out the narrative. They're just demonstrators. And the police are the bad guys attacking the journalists when you literally have videos of the extremists attacking the journalists. Eventually, you'll see sympathetic you know, politicians saying whatever you say, defunding the police like we see in these 11 cities. Then the truckers won't come in. What about a plumber? What about a carpenter or any other tradesman? You're going you're gonna to be like, oh, man, I got I got a leak in my building. I better call a, 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 you know, a plumber. And they're going to be like, where are you located? Oh, I'm in downtown Portland. No, sorry, man, can't do it. W- w- you know what's going on? Yeah, we got those people roaming around. I'm not going to do it. Sorry. Now, I know during the day things are mostly OK. The point I'm trying to make is. Over time, so long as this escalates, and it is, police are continually being defunded, 129 departments now losing funding, 11 cities fully committed to publicly, overtly defunding police, truckers now saying, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. It's going to extend. It's going to expand. And in New York, as they do the, the, the most absurd things imaginable, like literally putting homeless people in luxury hotels and moving convicted criminals near playgrounds, you know, offenders, why should I believe these cities are going to improve? I don't. I don't know, man. We, we, I talked about this earlier. You know, de Blasio is going to be buying up cheap property in New York for government programs. And maybe that's the intention. If no food comes into your city because the truckers literally can't do it, there's no products, you literally won't be able to live there. So let me make this one clear as, as a kind of an extension on the segment I did from 1 p.m. If you're upset that the mayor is putting homeless people and criminals in your area and people are getting robbed and stuff, you might want to move out. Some people will stay. They'll say, no, I refuse. Okay, so here's what happens next. The truckers stop coming in because of the violence, because of the crime. And now you literally can't stay unless you want to drive 10 miles to the nearest store that actually sells food to bring back to your apartment on the Upper West Side. Eventually, the trucks stop coming in. There's no food and you literally have no choice but to leave. These politicians, these Democrats, these progressives are destroying our cities. And, and it, it sounds to me like they are doing it on purpose because I, I can't tell you why they would want to to, you know, with, with these warnings coming, they don't care. What are they going to do once trucks stop coming in? The city commissions trucks. They start going full communist, I guess. Maybe maybe that's the plan because the Blasio certainly wants to buy up these buildings as the property value tanks. You better you better, you know, when, 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 when every time you eat, say, say a, a thank you to the truckers who make sure you have food in your cities, the, the guys and the men and women doing the long hauls every day with expensive cargo to make sure that it com- comes into your town. That's where the food comes from. I'll leave it there. Stick around. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes and I will see you all shortly. In today's media criticism, which is actually probably my 800th media criticism, we'll be talking about CNN's Brian Stelter, who is shocked to discover that conservatives criticize Joe Biden. I kid you not. That's it. Brian Stelter, 
dedicates a segment on his show this morning talking about how crazy it is that right wing talk radio just rags on Biden all the time. And could you imagine some kind of media company that exists just to go after a politician? Oh, heavens, I couldn't imagine such a thing. Brian, Brian, do you know anybody who does that? Is there anybody that comes to mind that literally dedicates their entire network to just ragging on a politician? I'm going to give you a second. I'm going to give you. Uh, yeah, you get it. This is ridiculous, dude. You are literally what you're complaining about. Total lack of self-awareness. But I got to admit, it's funny. And now we can talk about it. Let me tell you something. I rag on Democrats quite a bit. I rag on Republicans much less often, but I do rag on Republicans. I have very few good things to say about them. But for the most part, the problems I see are due to the fact that Democrats are clashing with Trump. And the media is typically on the sides of the Democrats for the most part, except for some conservative outlets and some fair and balanced outlets. I don't mean Fox News. I mean, there are literally some centrist outlets that are okay. I really like The Hill, the show, The Rising Show with Crystal and Sagar. It's a great show. Progressive, you know, conservative. They bring a balance to it. Brian, you, on the other hand, are just another one of these talk radio shows, but you have a thin veneer of journalism. You say, can you believe what Fox News is doing today? Brian, your show is the Fox News Review Channel. That's what you do. Now, you know what's, you know what's, it's, I get it. I get the shtick. Here's the, here's the thing. Let me tell you what. You see, I criticize the media as a whole. I give praise to some journalists and some news outlets, and I use many different news outlets as sources. So I recognize that many of them often do a good job. I'm critical of the Democratic operative types, like people like Brian Stelter, who pretend to be something they're not and are infecting the industry with this garbage reality TV nonsense in a desperate attempt to make cash. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. Well, let's read and... uh, We'll read some of the criticism, too, from Breitbart. CNN Stelter, offensive and otherworldly for right-wing radio hosts to question Biden's health. You know why? Brian Stelter says, look, there's a video of of Joe Biden riding a bicycle. (laughs) Okay, seriously? So the the, the crux of uh, of Brian's segment is that he shows a bunch of clips from like Rush Limbaugh and uh, Mark Levin and uh, Ben Shapiro. And one of my favorite things about this is when he shows the Ben Shapiro clip. He plays it. It's radio or podcast. And Ben Shapiro's like, Joe Biden is literally falling apart. He is falling apart, people. And then uh, Brian Stelter's like, this hate and vitriol. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold, hold on. That's all Ben said. Ben Shapiro said that Joe Biden was falling apart. Okay, well, he just, he is. <laughs> the dude has gaffes in his own commercials. That's not mean. But the other, you know, uh, I can't remember who said, it. I think it was Mark Levin or whatever. He said that, he, he thinks he's I can't remember which commentator it was that Joe Biden's not actually in his basement. He's in a he's in an assisted assisted care facility or something is actually really, really funny. Listen, you want to criticize a politician. I don't care. You want to only criticize one politician. I really don't care. Just be upfront about it. Right. I, I, I talk about all the time where it's like, you know, I really do just rag on Democrats like all the time. And I have like some criticisms for Trump. But I'm like, I, I you know, look, I know where my criticism, criticisms, criticisms lie. Mostly with the overt SJW, weird intersectional cultist members and fake news media like CNN's Brian Stelter and Oliver Darcy. It's, a, it's, it's their whole bit is to be like, Fox News is so bad. Can you believe what they're talking about now? Wow. They call it an alternate reality. That's his, that's his bit. I guess technically he's telling the truth when Brian doesn't recognize that he literally does the same thing. It would seem like alternate reality. Here, 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 here we go. Stelter said, let's go on a trip together to a totally alternative universe. 
You never hear what's happening there unless you tune into right wing talk radio. But you need to know what they're saying, because the, the most popular, most powerful talkers in the country have trained their sights on Joe Biden. Oh, oh, they did. What you are about to hear them say is mind boggling. Look, whether you like Biden or not, this stuff is offensive and otherworldly. You know what, man? Joe Rogan recently had on his show, might I add, the most popular podcast in the world, a segment in which he said Joe Biden is mentally compromised. I completely agree with the guy. And Joe Biden's pretty far. I'm sorry, Joe Rogan. Joe Biden is mentally compromised. Joe Rogan is correct, but Joe Rogan's a bit of a lefty. Uh Oh, what's that? What's that, Brian? You can't use Joe Rogan because he is pro UBI and is rather left in a ton of issues. Oh, no. What, you, you can't use other podcasters who are not right wing talk radio. It's, it's so stupid, in my opinion, to play this game. This is the problem I have with CNN. Look at this. Look at this story from last week. Brian Stelter ridiculed for claiming right wing media tempest is behind push for Biden not to debate Donald Trump. Suggestion Biden should not debate came, came in CNN, New York Times. Are you kidding me, Brian? It was your own network that said this. Advisors say Joe Biden should not debate Donald Trump. Here's the story. They say uh, CNN media pundit Brian Seltzer raised eyebrows on Monday night after he said that mostly right wing media is behind the growing push for Joe Biden not to debate President Trump, despite high profile calls from the New York Times and even CNN personalities for the former vice president to skip the events. You want to know it's an alternate reality? CNN. We have riots going on in this country for 73 nights. How many nights of coverage have you dedicated to this, Brian? Now, look, I do I do six segments individually and then a two hour live show with friends. So it ultimately comes out to like three, like four hours of content across the board. We rag on Joe Biden. Now, when it comes to the IRL podcast, you know, Adam likes Trump. I'm more critical of Trump, but I like Trump better than Joe Biden. So it's kind of like a more middle ground leaning closer to Trump. Definitely critical of Joe Biden. Uh, we, we've ragged on Republicans in the past, mostly rag on. Actually, we don't we don't talk too much about the, uh, you know, rank and file politicians, but we try to be eclectic. We try to be, you know, more than just whatever it is Brian Stelter is doing. Yeah, we'll talk about the riots. We'll talk about protests in favor of police. We'll talk about whatever the whatever the big news story of the day is. Brian Stelter, on the other hand, watches the tidbits from Fox, ignores the facts that ignores the fact that for the most part, Fox does a good job of reporting. <gasps> oh, I said it. I said the naughty words. All of a sudden, all the leftist ears exploded. How could Tim say this? It's true. Fox during the day has excellent reporters. I mean, Brett Bayer is fantastic. Bill Hammer does a great job. There are other people who do reporting for Fox News, and they have field reporters like Trey Yinks, who's currently on the ground in Beirut. Yeah, sorry, man. They do legit reporting. It's great. Oh, but they have pundits. They have political pundits, and they're, they're conservatives. Okay. There are also liberal outlets. You're going to talk about MSNBC's alternate reality where they ragged on Trump and Russiagate for years? Oh, no, because you're part of that. This is the problem I have with CNN. They act like they're above and separate from all of these things. But we're really a news organization. I tell you what, Brian Stelter literally said that. Check this out. Daniel Chayton tweeted, for many, this will seem like a very tone deaf comment from Brian Stelter as they view cable news networks like CNN as being an extension of the Democratic Party with nothing but negative coverage of, the tr- of Trump and his administration. Yes. Yes, quite literally. So Brian says, I trust that you and all your followers know the difference between news outlets, which employ reporters to go gather news, and talk radio hosts who do not. 
But Brian, you were ragging on Fox News and right wing media just a week ago for pushing the narrative that your network was pushing. So sure, people do know the difference and you do not fall into the camp of news outlet. Sorry, CNN. I tell you what, I, this, there's, you, you know what the CNN challenge is? The CNN challenge. You turn on your cable TV or whatever. You put on Fox News, see what they're talking about. You write it down. Then you switch to CNN and see what they're talking about. And nine times out of 10, CNN is talking about Trump. You know, Trump is bad and Trump is so bad. I turn on Fox News and they're like, today riots erupted in Iran. And I'm like, whoa, I changed the channel. CNN. But Trump, you know, Trump said, I'm like, okay, the next day I turn on CNN. Weather patterns coming in. We're going to see major storms. And I'm like, weather's kind of boring. But hey, at least they're covering the potential storm coming in. Turn on CNN. What are they talking about? Donald Trump. It's on my Instagram. Go to Instagram.com slash Timcast. Scroll down and you will see the videos I've made where I'm like switching back and forth. Yeah, Fox News has their pundit guys. But during the day, they talk about news. CNN has panel after panel after panel every single day complaining about the orange man. Why? Because the guy running CNN is a reality TV dude, Jeff Zucker, who worked with Trump. So the only thing he knows is, hey, man, I can milk Trump's persona for money. That's what your network is. To pretend otherwise is patently absurd. But if you embrace it, I have no complaint. If Brian Stelter came out and said, welcome to the orange man, bad network. I'm Brian Stelter here to complain about the orange man again. I'd be like, rad, right on. We know what your network's all about, right? No, it's not what he does. He says, <laughs> excuse me, actually, we're a news outlet. Okay, we're very different from talk radio. No, Brian, you're not. You are just the channel people tune into when they want to vent about something they're mad about and they want to blame Trump because they're angry and they don't know why. That's really what it is. I get angry about things. I get angry about policy. I get angry that Republicans and Democrats teamed up to block Trump from withdrawing troops from the Middle East. I think that's really stupid. And I'll give credit to the three Democrats and the eight Republicans who stood up and said, we're with you on this one. It's so weird. It's so weird, isn't it? Yeah, I'll tell you what. CNN is the establishment elitist network, and they hate Trump because Trump is a populist. I got disputes with Trump's demeanor, his, you know, his, his lack of professionalism, and some of his policies that are conservative, but I certainly like him way more than crony garbage CNN and Joe Biden. So I can sit here and I can say, I don't like Trump, probably have to vote for him, and that's why. And CNN can lie to you. I'll tell you straight up, here's why I don't like Democrats. Republicans are beholden to Trump right now for the most part, so they're kind of shutting up and doing nothing. Okay, I can accept that, I guess. I don't like them. I don't like their policies for the most part. There's a small handful of politicians I really like. Most of them tend to be Republicans because they're principled and libertarian. Small handful of Democrats that have spoken up. It's only, it's only been few and far between. And the Democrats are going down this weird socialist path I can't follow. So I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, I think there's going to be a new Republican party. It's going to be populist right with a lot of moderates, liberals, and old conservatives teaming up to stand up for this country. And the establishment crony lunatics like, like uh, Brian Stelter are going to keep pretending like Joe Biden's the perfect image of mental health, and he's not. So if you want to rag on Joe Biden, do it. You want to rag on Trump? Of course, do it. You want to pretend like your news? Ah, spare me, dude. No, you're not. You're not. You're playing the same game as everybody else, and we all know it. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around, and I will see you all shortly. Did you know that yesterday across the country, there were a ton of protests in support of police, in support of America? We had the Rescue America rally in Beverly Hills with around a thousand or so people estimated to have been there, although the media says much less. I've seen the photos and the videos. But yeah, I didn't hear this. I saw some posts from some people, and I wonder why it is that these stories about right wing rallies pro-police rallies or anti-defund the police stuff, it doesn't make the mainstream national coverage. I think for obvious reasons, mainstream media is biased. 
When we see nationwide Black Lives Matter protests, so the media says protests across the country. When it's Blue Lives Matter, it's eh, no one talks about it. Only local outlets. Check this out. Hundreds of demonstrators join Rescue America rally in Beverly Hills. We got this one. Back the Blue. Community rallies to show support for police in Raleigh. Cleveland. What is it? Clevelanders participate in anti-police protest. Back the Blue rally. This was actually both. So there was a rally for and against police. But you still had, you know, the conservatives coming out. Check this out from the Denver Post. Now, this one is about people getting arrested. But at Fort Collins, there was a back the blue rally. And yes, scuffles broke out. People got arrested. But the point is the rally happened. That's what I'm highlighting. Sioux Falls back the blue rally sees large crowd back the blue rally in Fort Worth. Crazy. I did not hear any stories about all of these major events happening across the country. I saw this video from Brandon Strzok, who's the uh, walk. He's the guy who founded the walk away movement. Now, I saw this video and I'm like, that looks like a couple thousand people in Beverly Hills. That's huge. That's huge, man. Look, we know that a bunch of people support Black Lives Matter, but you, you don't frequently see these massive crowds. Now, Fox 11 says an estimated 400 demonstrators were in attendance. I do not believe that. I saw the video, man. It was huge. I've covered protests. I've seen, you know, uh, crowd counts before. It, I thought it was a couple thousand, but apparently they're saying it's around a thousand. So Carlin Borsenko says, I'm sorry, there were significantly more than 400 people there. Maybe before the march, attendees showed up. Not everyone did both the rally and the march. There were minimally a thousand people there in Beverly Hills. I saw the vi- I saw some videos, man. It looked like it was at least I, I, I thought it was more than a thousand. But hey, that could just be me. Keep in mind, I've covered these things. OK, I used to be on the ground for all of these rallies and riots and protests around the world. I did not think it was 400. But anyway, that's fine. Even if it was 400, the point is these rallies are happening all over the country. And I got to say, it's good to see people finally standing up. Now, here's what, here's what I like to say. If you see 400, if that was a left-wing rally, it'd be 4,000. You know why? Because people have jobs. The left-wing people tend to be young. They tend not to work. Tend not to. I'm not saying they're all un- unemployed, but many of them, yes, are unemployed. For these conservatives, many who do have jobs, They can't come out to these things. Not only that, but conservatives tend to be in rural areas. So when you see a city have a large protest, the conservatives tend to be in the minority in these big cities. So this is this is big news. Check it out. They say the rally at Beverly Hills, uh, Beverly Gardens Park occurred after the group marched from West Hollywood, beginning at the intersection of Santa Monica and San Vicente Boulevards. Many, Many were seen carrying American flags or Trump 2020 signs, as well as wearing MAGA merchandise. The rally was put together by an organization called Walk Away. We can see that, you know, Brandon Strzok, Scott Bayo, Lorenzo uh, Lamas, Joy uh, Villa, Mike Harlow, Blair White. We've got Shamika Michelle, Ricky Rebel. It's hard to read, sorry. And Carlin Borisenko were all there at this rally. Brandon Strzok, founder of Walk Away, said he started the organization in 2018. We're a movement of people who are walking away from the Democratic Party. We're walking away from the ideology of liberalism the liberal media. Basically, we want to live in a country with peace and civility, truthfulness, kindness. And again, we are not getting that from the political left. So we're walking away from the Democrats, he said. Strzok said Saturday's event was their uh, was their third outdoor event. I got to stop there. Brandon, listen, liberalism is good. The problem is the horrible people who have corrupted what liberalism means. I know a lot of people like to say liberalism is a mental disorder. No, 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 no. This country was founded on principles of true classical liberalism. That's why I get offended. Okay, I don't really get offended. I'm kidding. But it's like, listen, these far leftists and these and these Biden Democrats are not liberals. They're illiberal. Anybody who would vote for Biden is illiberal. Okay, 
They do not believe in true liberal values. So personally, I don't like it. Now, a lot of people like to say I'm a classical liberal, and that's technically true, but I am a social liberal when it comes to modern politics, meaning my policies, my politics, the things I think about how you know taxes should work, it leans left. It absolutely does. That's a fact. So social liberals are where like Democrats used to be, maybe in like the 90s or 2000s. Now that I'm a big fan of the Democratic Party's history, mind you, I think they're gross. Now I've pretty much, I, I would never consider myself to be you know, like a hardcore Democrat. I think I fell into the camp of default liberal, but I've definitely walked away from all of that stuff as well. So I, I, I hear you, man. I, to all these people, you know, walking away from the Democrats, I totally hear you. At this point, they have gone nuts. And I think anybody who's sticking with them, you, 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 you've, you, nah, man, I'm sorry. I don't like the Republicans. Nah, I'm not going to like them either. But you can, you can, dis, you can dislike both. Like you can. And to be, to be fair, man, Trump is not the same as traditional Republicans. He's a moderate. He really is. So listen, I, I look at Trump and I'm like, I don't like him in terms of his professionalism and some policies, but at least he's for America. You know, Joe Biden, nah. And we've, we've had this intelligence report that came out that said Russia would prefer Trump. China would prefer Biden. Well, China is the big superpower with the concentration camps and all the dangerous, horrible oppression. So you know what? I'm sorry. Nah, no Joe for me. Anyway, look, this event was huge. Yet for some reason, Fox 11 only shows this tiny photo. That's not fair. That's come on. The crowd was way bigger than that. Look at this. Oh, I actually don't have uh, the, the photo. I think I might if I back up. There we go. Check out these photos. The crowd was way, way bigger. And I'd say it was way more than 400. Fox only shows that tiny little thing. But check this out. The, the events were happening all over the place. WRAL says it is the job of the police to defend the public. Today, a large crowd of people gathered in downtown Raleigh to return the favor to defend the police. With roughly 40,000 followers on social media, Back the Blue NC held a sizable rally in downtown Raleigh outside the North Carolina General Assembly building. Concern over recent calls to defund the police, supporters rallied to defend the police. They risk their lives every day, and most people disparage them. Here, here, good sir, I agree. And I will absolutely rag on, I, I was ragging on cops earlier this morning about the people, the cops in New York City, the cops in New Jersey. But I'll tell you what, man, as an institution, the service they provide, we know why we need cops. It's ridiculous. I grew up in Chicago, man. It's, it's, the, it's the stupidest thing ever. I've, I've had tons of beef with police. Okay. I've had tons of issues, complaints filed. I grew up in Chicago. The cops, there are corrupt. They disbanded a police unit. They were, the, the, the unit was robbing people's homes and invading people's homes. And I'm still not stupid enough to say disband the police. I still understood the concept of calling the cops when we were in trouble and we would be upset. Sure. I got tickets from cops. Didn't like it, but there's a difference. There's a difference between like you got, you were, you know, you get pulled over or something. Mind you, I've had cops plant drugs in my car in Chicago, and I've been given bogus. I, got, I, I, was, I was given a bogus speeding ticket in Chicago. Not a fan. I was also saved from a mugging by cops in Chicago. It's not like you, you can expect officer friendly to only ever give you what you want. Life isn't fair sometimes, but the police as an institution are a necessary protection for the public, a barrier between them and crime. Sometimes there are bad cops. We got to arrest them and deal with them. Anyway, I'm not going to rant on Blue Lives Matter again. I want to point out the talk about the protests. So they say the anger is being taken out on all officers and it shouldn't be about that, said Jordan Wilson, who also supports Back the Blue. The fix should be more money towards funding the police on better training to fix these situations here, here. Hire better cops, train good cops, train them better, have better programs. You don't take away their resources. If we've got problems with police, we need more police accountability. We need more training. We need internal affairs. We need whatever. We need reform. We need body cams. That requires more money. 
And if you want mental health services, well, then you get more funding for mental health services. Here we go. Check this out. Cleveland. We had anti and police, anti police and pro police. And that's about it. It was a back the blue rally in the second district Cleveland police station. So you, you get a little bit of both here, but still conservatives, you know, the right is coming out. We got Sioux Falls, large crowd. I wonder how big it was. I don't know for sure. They say signs that read back the blue, defend the police. This is great. The Sioux, the Sioux Falls area back the blue rally started just about 17 minutes ago. Sidewalks along Minnesota Avenue by law enforcement center are filled with people showing their support. Hear from them tonight. These don't seem nearly as big, but the point is these stories have been happening across the country. These are people standing up, speaking up, pushing back against the far left narrative. And I don't hear about it enough. I saw the story from from Brandon of Walkaway, and I looked into it and I thought to myself, I'm not seeing this, you know, this story linked everywhere. So I decided to do a Google search. And sure enough, I found a ton of stories. Sioux Falls, Fort Worth, 100 people at Back the Blue, 100 plus stories. Wow. Amazing. These people actually are coming out. They're, they're speaking out where they can. But of course, considering the conservatives are more spread out, you're less likely to see these massive rallies. But we're still seeing big protests in support. Or actually, actually they're rallies. They're not, they're not protests. They're supporting cops. So what do you think? What do you think the media likes to say? Okay, all right, all right. I'll just do this, all right. As we're not hearing, we're only hearing from local outlets because of this. Here's some national level news. Protesters beaten, Black Lives Matter protesters beaten by pro-police group in wild video. Wow. You know what the video really was? It was a bunch of far left extremists entering someone else's neighborhood. The people who lived there came out and said, commie scum, get out of our neighborhood. Antifa backed up. And as they were leaving, they attacked a guy in a wheelchair. So these people rushed to the fence. And yeah, some dudes got stomped. But please frame it correctly. Across this country, people are standing up for police. They're defending their communities against these far left extremists. And I've had enough of it, man. I am not a fan of these crazy wackos coming into private residences. So it's good to see people standing up, walking away and showing up in their communities to defend against the far left. That's the point. Hopefully this video is something optimistic for you to see that people are defending themselves against the extremism. Look, look, these pro cop people, they might have conservative values I don't agree with, but we agree with one thing. Extremists wearing all black, smashing up windows and attacking people should not be happening. I I sat down with Glenn Beck and we talked about pro-life versus pro-choice. It was great. And afterwards we shook hands. It was like, it it was great to have a conversation with you, man. I really appreciate it. I understand your point of view. I think we have, you know, ethical, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's an ethical line. Neither of us wants to cross. We don't understand how to do it. That's a reality. You reach an impasse. We talk about it. We shake hands. We smile. We go vote. What are we getting now? This is lunacy. Bring it back to the days when two people would go on a panel and just shout at each other over their wedge issue at least, right? Anyway, I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out, everybody, on this Sunday. I will see you all tomorrow in the next segment at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out.